So uh, we as, as pastors slash elders at Impact Rock Church, um, we, we make this promise to you. Um, when we stand up here, whichever one of us is bringing the word of God, we're only going to bring you what God has told us to bring you. We're only going to give you what God has told us to give. Outside of Jesus, we have nothing for you. Nothing. There's not an anecdote that can heal your heart. There's not a great story that can save. There's, outside of Jesus, you guys, we have nothing. So when we stand up here, we share what, what God has given us. And I just want to be honest with you. Up until at some point last night, um, I, you know, I, I wasn't sure, certain what, what was going to come forth. I just didn't. God never gave me a word. I, I had a bunch of words. I had wonderful time with the Lord this week. Had things I wanted to preach, but nothing that I could say. This is what God wants me to share. Um, so God's faithful. And just so you know, if, if that was the case, I would have came up here, I would have read a scripture, I would have called up Brad, and we would have closed out the service. I promise you that's exactly what we would have done because I ain't preaching something if Jesus hadn't said preach it. Um, but he gave me a word, and it's interesting. Um, I've never done this before ever since uh, I've been in the ministry, and I've been in the ministry in one form or another since 1994. Um, but I've never, for three consecutive weeks, had the same passage of scripture used and in three different contexts. And we're going to see that today. So I believe the Lord is really trying to drive a point home. Um, and so, uh, so in John 15, 12 through 14, we'll get to that. And you'll, you'll notice, hmm, that sounds familiar. It, it does. We've, I, I preached out of it the last two weeks. There was a time when Jesus asked some strangers to follow me. He said, follow me. To some, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Kind of an obscure, just, he just coined his own phrase. But he said, follow me. You don't have to understand it. Follow me. It doesn't have to all make sense. Follow me. The purpose of Jesus calling us to follow him is so that we can remain with him. So that we can remain with him. Not too long ago, I believe it was back in December, I preached just the desire of the Father for reconciliation. For reconciliation with those he loves. He loves, but yet there's, there's distance. There, there's, there needs to be a returning. There needs to be a coming to him. The purpose of the coming to him, the purpose of the returning to him is for the remaining in him. Is the dwelling with him. The abiding with him. Jesus tells us to abide in him. In fact, in John 15, he says it 11 times. He uses that word abide. Eleven times, abide, abide, abide. Remain, remain, remain. That's what abide means. It's the word minnow, which means to remain. Now check this out. It's got some interesting references and then definitions that follow what it's in reference to. So I just want to read those. So that, that word minnow, 
it says, in relation to place, not to depart. To continue to be present. To, can be, to be continually held and kept. So that's in reference to a place. In reference to a time, the definition is to continue to be, not to perish, to last, endure, to live. And then in reference to a state or a condition, it says to remain as one, not to become another or different. So which of these definitions apply? Which of these definitions apply in the words of Jesus telling us to remain in him? Every one of them. Every one of them. Every one of them. This is what I'm preaching on today, remaining in him. But I want to make this abundantly clear. At any time, we can return to him so that we can jump right in to his love and remain in him. At any point, we can come to him. I am certain that, that there wasn't this point of revelation within the disciples where that when he said the simple words, follow me, that all of a sudden there was just this great understanding. Something was stirred within them that they knew they had to do it. They had to be with him. They had to follow him. And I say the same thing to us today. We, we look for a lot of things to have clarity before we'll step out into them. I guess it depends on our temperament. You got some that are just wild, wild men, wild women, and they're like, woo, and they just run and jump, and they're like, you know, in the air, and, and they're just going to trust the Lord that there's water underneath. And then there's others that get up to the edge, and then they look, and they see how far the rocks are, and then they measure, and then they do that about three times. And then at the very end, they come up, and they take a picture, and they're like, look at this awesome picture I got of my friend, the wild man down there swimming. I know it takes faith to follow. But I promise you this, you guys. Once we say yes to follow and we remain in him, we find ourselves at home in his love. And we won't want to leave. John 15, 4 through 17. I'm, I'm going to read it all. And this is the message the Lord gave me today. John 15, 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There, there are certain passages that I think we read, and when we read them, we have conflicted feelings. Because I think all of us want to, um, we, we want to come to the Lord polished and, and pretty and strong and capable and we want to bring the Lord our best. And so we think, Lord, I, I, I've got a lot to offer you, and so I want to come to you and bring you that because I want to be used by you. And God says, everything that you think you're bringing to me, apart from me, it's nothing. 
with me, I'll use the simplest of things. I love the song, The Little Drummer Boy. I often cry during the Christmas season with the song, The Little Drummer Boy. I probably have to fight crying right now. I feel it. It's coming. It's coming. But just the very thought of not having much to bring him, but what you have, what you have, you come to him with. Shall I play for you? I mean, that's awesome. That's all that the Lord is asking is just come to me. Come with what you have. And that includes the ugly. That includes the the hurts. That includes the bad. You don't even have to clean yourself up. Kara made mention to the story of the lost son, the prodigal son. He didn't have to clean himself up. All he had to do was to return. All he had to do was remember the father and say, maybe, maybe I can be a servant in his house. And the father goes, "Uh uh-uh. You're a son. See, servants didn't wear shoes, but sons did. So he got him sandals. Servants, you know, didn't didn't have a ring, but sons do. He said, go get a ring. Go get my ring, my mark upon him. This is a son. He was lost, and now he's returned. God wants the coming to him. God wants the returning to him because he wants the remaining in him. Friends, that's where life is, remaining in him. That's where healing is, remaining in him. It's not a one-time visit. It's not a drive-through. It's a remaining. In him, we come in and then we go out with him. Verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. I've preached on that for, for how long? That's, that's Jesus' entire motivation, is that the Father is glorified. That's his entire motivation, is that the Father is glorified. He wants what the Father wants, and the Father wants reunion with us. So Jesus did all and gave his all for the sake of that reunion with the Father. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Friends, we can't bear fruit apart from him. We can't bear fruit in a place where we don't remain in him. We can't bear fruit on our own. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. How awesome is that? I've spoken these things so my joy will be in you so that you'll have my joy so it'll be full, full. I mean, full to overflowing. Recent, last week at some point, last weekend, uh, our next-door neighbor sent her kids over with, with a measuring cup, a cup, and then a quarter cup. And she said, my mommy needs oil. So I said, okay, let me get some oil. So I, I said, well, I, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to pour it too full, so I'll walk over there with you. So in my effort not to over, because I didn't want it overflowing. And then all over my porch and my 
my sidewalk and my neighbor's sidewalk and their porch. So we get to the neighbor's door, and I said, knock on the door so your mommy knows. I didn't want to hand the oil to the kids. And so knocking, and Alyssa comes out, and she's like, oh, thank you so much. I'm do- Brandon's coming home. I want to, you know, make him a cake. So what do I do? I pour the oil to overflowing. And there I am holding holding one that's a c- cup, and I'm like, um, I don't know how we're going to make this. And I did the same thing with the quarter cup. I don't know. I guess I guess the Lord just wanted uh, just abundance there. I don't know. And so I walked slowly. You know, I walked in, you know, to her kitchen, and then once we got to the floor, a little bit spelled like on the kitchen, like the hardwood floor. When it comes to the joy of the Lord, we are not worried about where that splashes, where that spills, where that overflows. In fact, we want everyone around us to benefit from the overflow of his joy. And it's his joy. It's his joy. It's not just laughing at a a funny Super Bowl commercial. It's not just, you know, laughing because our kid did something cute. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a joy that in the midst of a storm, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of what would normally be unbearable, we have peace and we can endure with a hopeful joy. That's what he wants for us. And he wants it to abundant measure. Verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. And this is the passage I've preached. This is the third week in a row. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. It's a radical statement. As Americans, I imagine it rubs us, it just rubs us the wrong way. We don't like to be commanded to do anything. Because we got liberty, we got freedom. He says, greater love than this it doesn't exist. That, that a friend would lay down his life for those that he loves. You're my friend if you do what I command. And what he's saying is very simple. You're my friend if you lay down your life. You're my friend if you lay down your freedom. You're my friend if you lay down your liberties all for the sake of me. Why? Because you trust me. See, we can't love without trust. We can't love without trust. We can't. We can't fully love without trust. I don't care where my wife says she's going or for how long she says she's going. I trust her. Have a great time, baby. I will miss you. I want to eat lots of unhealthy stuff, but it'll be great to see you in three days. I love you. But I trust her. If we love him, we trust him. And when he says, do what I say, it's never obligation, but it's always trust. Okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. I trust you. Whatever you say to do, I trust you. Verse 15. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. See, that puts that last verse in really cool perspective. You're my friends if you do everything I tell you. You're my friends if you do what I command you. You're not servants. This isn't about master and servant. This is friendship. You're not a slave. My commands to you are not heavy. 
I'm your friend. You're my friend. I only want what's good for you. I only want what's best for you. And I'm going to let you know what I'm doing. I'm going to make known to you everything the Father has made known to me. Verse 16. You didn't choose me. But I chose you. And I appointed you. That you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask my Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you. So that you will love one another. You see those reoccurring themes, how everything just comes full circle and wraps up? Twice Jesus says, if you bear fruit, whatever you ask my Father, he's going to do for you. Twice he mentions the commands, doing what I've commanded you. Twice he mentions friendships. Jesus is trying to make this abundantly clear. And then 11 times he uses the word, remain in me, remain in me. See, I think a lot of times we get antsy and we just got to move, man. We just got to move on. We just get antsy. And and we think, man, I feel a stirring. I feel something, you know, I I just got to go. And what we don't realize is Jesus like, yeah, I'm going with you. Let's go together. Sometimes we feel that stirring, but we don't really ask him what he's doing. And so we just, we just do something on our own with, without saying, Lord, what is it you're stirring me? Because I trust you. So what is it you're asking me to do? Where is it you want to go? What's the next adventure we have together? What's the next victory we're going to have together? What is it, Lord? And we don't treat him as a friend. We don't interact with him as a friend. See, I'd be a horrible friend if I only spoke and never listened. This man's my friend, and when he and I are together, I speak, and he listens, and he speaks, and I listen, and we interact. We're friends. With Jesus, it's the same thing. We speak. He listens. He speaks. We listen. There has to be that interaction. And sometimes when we feel that antsiness, that stirriness, because he's like, I, I got a battle for you, and I just need you ready. I just need you ready. I need you ready for the fight. So I'm stirring you up. I mean, you know, whether you liked him or didn't like him, whether you hated him or, man, it was thrilling watching Mike Tyson fight back in the day. And in the first round, before that bell rang, he would be bouncing in the corner, bouncing, ready for the fight. He scared me. I I was on TV. He was in Atlantic City or Vegas or something, and I'd at home or somewhere watching the fight, and I was nervous. Can't imagine what the opponent felt. We need to be bouncing, ready to move with God in whatever it is he has us do, knowing that our enemy is just as afraid. Because we're not going in our own strength. We're going in the name and the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. So yes, sometimes he wants us antsy. He wants us stirred up. And we're making a mistake if we don't ask him, why are you stirring me up, Lord? Why am I stirred? What's going on? Guys, in order for there to be an abiding, in order for us to remain in him, we've got to come to him. So what are the things that prevent us from coming to him? What are the things that prevent us from returning to him? Maybe shame. We see that in the story of 
prodigal son, there was shame. I dishonored my father. I said, I wish he was dead. I, I want to live as if he's dead. I want my inheritance. Then I went and spent it on, on shameful things, on prostitutes and shameful things. And now I'm in, I'm in the pig pits. Friends, we should never let shame keep us from returning to the Father because the Father doesn't have some lecture for us. He does not have a lecture for us. He does not have a, a, a finger wagging for us. He's got open arms for us and he's got a robe and he's got a ring and he's got sandals and he's going to throw a party and he's going to declare it to everyone. My son is home. My son, my boy, he's home. No reference of what the son did. As a matter of fact, the son had this wonderful monologue. You've heard this before. He had this great monologue prepared. And the father interrupts him and says, it doesn't matter, you're home. We should never let shame keep us from returning home. Because our father is not there to lecture us, but he is there to love us. Remain in my love. Guys, let's not make this complicated. Let's not make it complicated, which I know for most of us, that is our inclination to complicate things. Follow him. Just follow him. He'll connect the dots later. Just follow him. Respond to that place in our heart of hope and belief that, that he just might love us and that, that his way, I believe it's better. And then just trust him and follow. Let's not complicate it. I put this passage into easy-to-understand words. This passage is really easy to understand on its own. But Jesus is saying this, live in me. Make your home in me. Make yourself at home in me. Live in my love. And once you're there, never leave. When you're joined with me, I'm joined with you. He said that. He didn't just say, join with me. He says, when you're joined with me, I'm joined with you. Man, there's a togetherness tighter than anything you have on this earth. When you're joined with me, I'm joined with you. The relationship will be intimate and wonderful. And like a, like a grapevine, it's going to be organic. It's going to take cool directions and twists and turns. And you're going to bear fruit. You're going to be fruitful. Lots of grapes. Just bundles of grapes. Remain in me. And the harvest. Oh, can't even imagine the harvest. You can't even imagine what's going to come. The harvest is going to be unbelievable. Separated from my love, you, you can't produce a single thing. And don't beat yourself up over it. Just don't find yourself apart from me. Apart from me, you're not going to bear fruit. Just don't find yourself apart from me. Return to me. If you make yourself at home with me, and if my words are at home with you, you're going to sound like me. You're going to act like me. You're going to use my words 
The invitation is going to be wonderful. It's going to be such an incredible compliment that you're hearing me and that you're speaking my words, that my words have found home in you and you're, you, you, my words are there. And guess what? When the Father looks at you, he's going to see me and he's going to be pleased. And anything you have to say to the Father, he's going to hear you and your prayers are going to be answered. Because what he sees is me. What he hears is me. And you're going to be bearing fruit like me. Do you know the word Christians means little Christs? Isn't that what we want? I don't want my own identity. Not, not for the things that matter most. His love, His life, His power, His grace. When you're in me and my Father allows you to bear fruit, this is how my Father is glorified. And this is how I see maturity in you when you're a fully committed ambassador for me, when you're a fully committed disciple. I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Isn't that a powerful thing Jesus is saying in this? I've loved you the same way my Father has loved me. I'm going to share with you the things that my Father has shared with me. I'm going to include you in the plan the same way my Father included me. You and me, we're in this together. That's what Jesus is saying. When we read this passage, we see that there's a lot of great rewards. I think as Christians, sometimes we feel bad about rewards. I think sometimes because of our, you know, the Christian church's history here in America, you know, we've seen some misuse or abuse of things. Um, and so I think that we, we feel bad about certain things. I think rewards are one of them. I think because of, of certain prosperity gospels and name it and claim it that, that a lot of times turned very things-focused instead of Christ-focused, we've now thrown the baby out with the bathwater. But this passage is full of rewards, and Jesus says, I want there to be rewards. I want you to be rewarded. His joy is a reward. Full joy. It's a reward. The Father hearing us and and answering our prayers, it's a reward. He wants us blessed. It's a blessing. He wants us blessed. Let's not Let's not disqualify ourselves. Let's not think, oh, I'm not worthy of that. Or I'm not deserving of that. Yes, it's true. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. He's our prize. He's our reward. That's true. But he's a good father. Our father is a good father. And he, he wants to give us good things. Friends, this message of come and remain needs to be prominent in our hearts. Every single one of us can point someone to Jesus, can lead someone to Jesus with this message of come and remain. Follow and remain. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't. You just don't. You just got to have faith. Because it's not your figuring out. It's not your ability to process and analyze and make sense of it all that's going to save you. It's your faith in Jesus Christ alone that's going to save you. And that has to be our message, guys. Why do we return? Because of Jesus Christ. 
because of the price he paid and the work he did and the life he now lives at the right hand of the Father, that when we come, Jesus sees, or the Father sees Jesus. He sees the one he loves. He sees redemption and grace and togetherness. He sees the completed work of Jesus, which is to tear down the barrier between us and the Father. I think every one of us in this room needs to hear this message, but if we only make this message about those of us in this room, we are dropping the ball because we are to take this message out and let a world know, come and remain. Come and remain. Follow and remain. Just abide in Him. There's great adventures to be had. There's great victories to be won with Him, abiding in Him.